0: Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 695. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Kat Velos is a trusted expert on the power of cultivating healthy teams and meaningful relationships in adulthood. Formerly a UX designer at Slack, Pandora, and multiple startups, her work today focuses on helping people design belonging into their lives and workplaces. She is the author of We Should Get Together, The Secret to Cultivating Better Friendships. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, TED Talks, Forbes, Real Simple, Communication Arts, San Francisco, Design Week, Lesbians Who Tech, and many more. So the hard truth is that it is hard to to make new friends as an adult. I've had this conversation with so many people and we've talked about it a bit on the show. But when I stumbled across Kat's work, I think via like a meme on Instagram, I immediately was like, oh, please come on the show. We need you. (laughs) We need you. So it's hard to make new friends as an adult. And it's also hard to keep the friends that we have because life is just busy and chaotic and hectic. And friendship just is not something that you can take for granted. And it doesn't just happen on its own. It's not as easy as it was when we had time to just play with each other at recess every day, or when we lived in the dorms together, or any of those kind of friendship circumstances that kept us in close connection with people where we got to be constantly either forging new relationships or cultivating existing ones way back when, whether that was on the playground or in your college dorms, or even just in young adulthood before motherhood and life got... To be with a to the point that it is today. But hope is not lost. Friendships are essential for our health and well being. And there are some simple things that you can do to grow and establish friendships that are incredible right now. So, listening to hear Kat share the difference between meeting people and actually making friends, the four reasons it gets harder to make friends as we age, you're not just imagining it, it actually does get harder. The specific challenges for moms in making new friends. How our relationships evolve, for better or worse, as our various identities evolve. The significance of reciprocity in healthy adult relationships and friendships. The important role of curiosity in friendship. How to maintain strong friendships even when you're on separate life paths. So for those of you who are like maintaining friends with people who don't have kids or people who have totally different career paths, there's hope, there's hope. Kat also talks about steps to take to invest in new friendships, as well as steps that we can take to invest in the relationships we already have that we want to grow and preserve. So there is so much in here. Oh my goodness, get ready to take some notes and get ready to really have a better understanding and a lot more hope around how to build friendships in simple ways that don't have to be really, really time consuming, but that can really count in terms of really investing in the relationships that you want to bring into your life and also the ones that you have that you want to keep and cultivate. So with all that, please join me in welcoming Kat Vellos to the Shameless Mom Academy. Kat, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm going to thank you again publicly for answering my Instagram DM when I was like, Oh my gosh, I love you, the work that you're doing. And Mm -hmm. would you come on my podcast and be a guest because women need to talk more about friendships. (laughs) So thank (laughs) you. Thank you for saying yes. Cause I know this is, it's kind of a hot topic. I feel like for women, I mean, I feel like before the pandemic, it was a hot topic or a necessary topic for women to dig into, but post-pandemic, it's gotten to be even more critical and crucial for us.
1: Yeah, it's been something that's been important and a concern before pandemic, and definitely mm-hmm. with the amount of time that we've spent in you know distancing and not being able to see each other, uh, it's very, very relevant and timely now too. Yeah, definitely.
0: I'm excited. So I want you to tell us a little bit about the dynamics beyond your bio around your personal professional life and what you're most excited about right now. Well, that's kind of a big question.
1: Like as far as like whole personal, whole professional. It's a really big question to start us off. <laughs> the funny thing, when I saw, you know, when I hear the second half of that question, which is like, what is the thing I'm most excited about right now? I feel kind of silly because my answer isn't like something big and splashy because like we're in pandemic. I'm not going to Bali. I don't have like a new book coming out <laughs> right now. And the truth, like the thing I'm really the most excited about, and I'll set some context for this. I love to read and obviously I wrote a book and usually I read nonfiction, things like behavior and psychology and, and human relations and things like that. Um, but sometimes I feel like I'm working all the time when I read that. And so mm. a whole new world has actually opened up for me recently. And I've just, des- I decided to get into fiction and I have discovered that I am absolutely head over heels in love with heist stories and. Oh. Mystery. Not murders because I'm like too mu- highly sensitive for that, but like who done it or any kind of brainy heist i'm I'm actually like so intrigued and so immersed in story lately, and it's just been really, really joyful, so if you need a good recommendation of that to-
2: <laughs> that's
1: oh my gosh, like really excited
0: about I love when we find things like that that interest us that we didn't see coming, <laughs> yeah, I
1: think that that's really important, like. A good high story is a great escape. Who knew? <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's such a imaginary, like, world to escape in. And it's like, definitely not going to be confused with like working. Like it's such, mm-hmm. it feels like a little vacation, honestly, when I just fall into some book that's like a page turner and it's addicted to the story and I just you know, yeah. don't to get back to it again. Yeah.
0: That's why I am with Real Housewives, which I feel like is not as cool of an answer. <laughs> <laughs> but that place where you can escape and you're like, it doesn't resemble any part of my life. It doesn't overlap with my work and I can just like stare at it. And when I turn it off or like, you know, step away from it, it's my mind has been able to escape from my own reality enough that I feel like I've gotten a bit of a mental break.
1: (laughs) That's how I felt when I got into Bridgerton. It was the same way.
0: Oh yeah. 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 This,
1: mm -hmm. I want this. (laughs)
0: But the thing about that is that's so limited, like yeah. if housewives or high stories, I would imagine there's so many of them. Like there's yeah. always more in the queue. Yes, exactly. Yeah. My
3: I love it. It's quite
1: long and I'm happy about that.
0: <laughs> so good. So I want you to tell us a bit about your work and your book and what has inspired your, all your work around friendship. I think this is such an important topic and I think we don't talk about it enough. And I think that it, when we don't talk about women in friendships, especially in adulthood, it's so easy for us to all feel like we're inadequate or doing something wrong or it's easy for everyone else. So I'm really, really curious how you got into this work, what inspired the book. And then if you want to share a little bit about your
1: own experience around
0: friendship and adulthood, that would be awesome too.
1: Yeah. So my, I've always really valued friendships and in many cases, my friendships have become like chosen family for me. And at the time when I started digging into the topic and theme of friendship, it was purely from a place of personal curiosity and interest. So I was I had moved to the Bay Area recently at that time, and I was meeting lots of people and going to lots of dinner parties and events and meetups and things like that. And it was very exciting. It's exciting to meet new people. It's exciting to be new in town. But there's a difference between meeting people and actually having regular friends. Mm -hmm. Um, Then I was like, okay, like. (laughs) How do I like keep some of these friends? And I often found it was kind of challenging because people were like really busy and booked out four to six weeks to get on their calendar and like not in town and traveling a lot. And so it was like a little bit challenging to establish ongoing friendships with some folks here in town. You know, some of them were working out fine, but some of them were, were really hard. And I was like, hmm, I wonder what it's like for other people. And I should also supplement this by saying that in my day-to-day work, As at that time, a user experience researcher and user experience designer, my literal job was to help figure out how to make things easier for people, like to make a task Mm. easier, to understand what's getting in the way of, of that task. Like what's the problem that makes that difficult? And then how can we design a better solution to make it easy? I was doing this for apps and websites and things like Slack and Pandora and other startups and whatnot. And so when I was looking at the question of friendship, it was a very natural fit for what my brain was doing. 40, 50 hours a week, which is Mm -hmm. how do we solve this problem? And so I just treated it like any other project I was working on where I did research to understand, like, how is this problem manifesting in people's lives? I did hours and hours and hours of interviews. I did a lot of facilitated events to get people together around the question of connection and friendship. And I just started writing. I've always been a writer and I just started writing and writing and writing. And eventually I had so much writing, that I was like, what am I doing with this? And my friend was like, it sounds like you're writing a book. And I was like, oh, interesting. And so then I like, accidentally wrote a book and it's really <laughs> easy to write a book when you don't realize you're writing a book because you never get freaked out by how big the goal is.
0: Just I stopped. was just going to say, yeah, it's much less daunting than opening in a blank document and being like, hmm, chapter one. How do I start? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that's in a nutshell how it turned out. And and to answer your second question of what my experience of friendship has been like in adulthood, you know, it's really varied. I noticed it was different in my 20s. It was different in my 30s. I'm in my early 40s. Now it's different. And the phases and stages of life, you know, it's probably so relatable for so many people. Like I went through the phase of like post-college and suddenly all my friends were like getting married. It was like wedding season, like all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Several years later, everybody was having a baby. And I was like, wow, okay, now we're in the baby stage. Everybody's having babies. Then later, there was like, I have a drawing in my book called The Adult Friendship Desert, The Adult (laughs) 30-something Friendship Desert, where it's like, here's all the things. You're like wandering through the desert of friendship. And here's all the things you find along the way. And I was like, what is going on with this like early 30s, mid 30s, like dip in Mm. friendship? And like, it suddenly got really hard. And I was like, why? And I wasn't willing to just accept that it was difficult and not investigate, like, why? Like, how can we actually make it better? And actually, like, coming out of that dip probably helped by the fact that I write a book about friendship, like, wrote a book about friendship and focus on this a lot. My friendships have gotten better. And I think one of the things that helped was really investing in building closer friendships with other women who were staying here in the same region as me, the same city or area. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it's very easy to maintain your friendships when they are nearby, Um, they're also like really investing more intentionally with my long distance friends to say, like, I don't want us to fall out of touch. I really value having you as part of my life. Like, let's do this. And so it's gotten a lot better.
0: This is so interesting because I think that so many people listening can relate to that trajectory that you just described of. And I remember this so clearly after college, like friendships came really naturally in high school and college because you're spending all day with your peer group. And in college, especially you're living with them. So the intensity of those relationships, I just really took that for granted. My first job after college, I made friends really easily at that job because it was a bunch of like all the young people connected easily. Also, I was working in a really, I was working in a psychiatric hospital where you quickly bonded with the people that you were working with just because you were going through so many you you had such a weird day-to-day experience in terms of your work experience but then after that yes it was like this very different trajectory by mid 20s into 30s and then it really was like this idea that am i supposed to just make the people who happen to be around me my friends so if i'm in an office situation like those that's who i'm spending the most time with and growing up, you made friends with the people you spent the most time with. So, like, your natural inclination is like, I guess my coworkers should be my friends, but I don't know if I like them that much. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if I don't like them, then where do I go? What do I do? Like, do I have to find a hobby? So, there's this trajectory where it really does shift. Sometimes life circumstances, I think, can bring you close to people. So, I know once we had my son, and then we were like in a parenting class, and I was like, oh, maybe these are the my people. And it turned out some of them were. And so there's those commonalities, I think, that can bring you together. But if you're not keeping an eye out and for those connections, and then also really intentionally investing, so many opportunities for connection can really pass you by. And then all of a sudden, you wake up and you're like, I don't know that I have a lot of really strong connections.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super relatable. Definitely. Especially with the comment you made around work, which is like school, you're around these people all day long and it's, it seems like, okay, well, I I'll try to be friends with them. But if you don't get to choose your coworkers, you don't, <laughs> it's different right. like, getting to choose your friends. And so workplace is one of the primary places people find friendships in adulthood. And I think that's great. And there's a lot of opportunity there, but sometimes it's not a fit. It's not a fit. Right. So right. there are opportunities out in the world, but it does
3: require some level of intention and effort. Yeah. You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory,
1: two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back. You
0: said something early on in one of your answers around the difference between meeting people and making friends. And there's a dynamic there that's really interesting as I've had the opportunity to meet people through podcasting and through running my own business and through doing some stuff at my son's school. And there's a lot of opportunities to meet people. And what I'm realizing is I meet a lot of people that I really adore who are awesome. And I'm like, Oh, I want to hang out with them. But unless you go through this really vulnerable moment or phase of like, Hey, you're cool. Do you want to hang out? (laughs) Yeah, There is a gap between meeting someone and actually having a friendship with them. And I think a lot of times we think that they're the same thing and they're not. And then we have this moment of like, I have a lot of people
1: around me, but am I actually really connected to them? Right. Right. It's very different. I and mean, it does Definitely. have our ability to invite in a closer connection or to see each other more than sporadically or more than happenstance at you know, kid pickup day or, you know, hour or whatever it might be. And so it's, it does take, a sense of purposefulness. Yeah. Why do you think it gets harder for us to make friends as we get older? You've kind of, We've. I think there's some assumptions that we can make, but is there anything you want to explicitly say on that? Yeah. And I, I describe all of these in the book as well. There were four main reasons why in my research, I found that people were having difficulty making friends, like making that transition from like, wow, these are really cool acquaintances to like, no, we're actually friends. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. uh, so one of them is the difficulty establishing intimacy, which is what we're talking about right now. How do you go from just knowing them or seeing them around to being able to call them after you've had a bad day at work or like inviting them to celebrate a really meaningful life change with you or something like that. And so that question mark for a lot of people of like, I don't know how to actually get there, like to cross the chasm. That's one of the main reasons why it's hard to make friends as we get older. Secondly, certainly this is a podcast about motherhood. And another category of why friendships sometimes fall to the wayside is that it takes a lot of time and attention to be in a, you know, serious relationship and raise children. (laughs) And the time and attention that that takes means that often there's not a whole lot left over for friends, not because relationships and family are a bad thing, but just because like, it's a lot of attention that is needed there. And so purely out of logistical reasons, sometimes friendships go to the wayside. Another reason is busyness, that kind of falls in with that. But people having calendars that they feel are super busy, you know, that feeling of like, oh, yeah, I want to see you, but I won't be free until seven weeks from now (laughs) and get in the way of closeness. And then the fourth category, which I describe in the book with the term hypermobility, is the speed with which people move through life, move through the world, move often through workplaces and cities and states and sometimes countries like people are constantly moving And uh, moving is one of the reasons why people say that their friendships fade away. So those are the four main categories. And I discuss in the book, all of them. And it's not just like a downer of like, here's all (laughs) it's for every single category. I have like a whole slate of different things you can try based on your personality and your inclination of like, here's things you can do. If this is the thing that you're struggling with, like do these things and see Mm -hmm. how it gets better.
0: It's so eye opening to hear these things. And it really illuminates the need to be thoughtful and intentional. And we're probably all as funny <laughs> as you were sharing these. I was thinking, and I'm guessing many people listening were all thinking of either times where we're like, oh shoot, like I've been the person who didn't make time for someone, or we're like being critical and being like, oh yes, yeah, so and so, they are always too busy or <laughs> they're like always on the go or they're never investing in, you know, prioritizing like the intimacy of our relationship or whatever it might be. But I think this point that there has to be this intentional investment and nobody tells you that (laughs) nobody tells you like you are very much going to have to be thoughtful about this. It's not something that you can take for granted. It is something that you're going to have to make happen. And interesting that you brought up moving a couple times now, because what I've actually seen happen in some of the parents at my son's school is that I grew up in this area. I've lived in the Seattle area my whole life, except for when I went to college and so I have connections here and relationships here that I've definitely taken for granted. (laughs) Like I just have deep roots here because we in Seattle is such a city where people who've moved from other parts of the country. I've, been had the experience in the last few years with other mom friends who were like, Hey, I don't have mom friends here. Like we moved from another part of the country X many years ago and I haven't like gotten my roots. And this really vulnerable moment of like, I'm looking for mom friends. Do you want to be my mom friend? And people being really women being really explicit about that. And the, fir- I remember the first time someone said that to me and I was like, I'm so impressed that she said that. Mm-hmm. And more people should be saying that more people should be really explicit around like, Hey, I'm working on making friends right now. Do you want to be my friend? Like, that seems like such a weird thing to say because we don't do it, but it's also, I think maybe one of the things that's really
1: necessary. Yeah. It's like to make an analogy, if somebody was looking to get in a serious relationship, but was unwilling to disclose that to anyone, (laughs) including people they might date. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense. You have, like, have a lot of success. <laughs> you got to, you got to kind of right. about that. You got to let people
0: know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's such an interesting, and this is why your work is so important because so few people talk about this openly. Like you can get books on dating and how to make yourself available and how, like, what are the, there's a lot of social norms around that. There's not a lot of social or cultural norms around like women and friendships and building friendships. Yeah. Very important stuff. When you researched the mom experience of adult friendships for your books, what were some of the specific challenges you heard mom saying they were dealing
1: with? Yeah, there were quite a few. So one of them is actually the opposite of what you were just describing with this mom friend and being like, oh, yeah, like we're going to connect about being, you know, we're both moms. One woman I spoke to described how she had joined, she had recently had a baby and had joined the local like mommy club through her hospital. And she was telling <laughs> me, she's like, I go to these meetings and it's useful to talk about the baby stuff, but she's like, I don't connect with any of these women. Like just Mm. because we're moms doesn't mean I would have chose these women as friends. Yeah. And, but she felt compelled to like make a friendship with them because there was a lot of value and utility in talking about, you know, life with newborns of approximately equal ages, but she was like, yeah, I probably wouldn't pick these women for friends, but I think I have to be friends with them because I need mom friends. Um, (laughs) So that was kind of difficult. Another one that I've heard a lot is a feeling of a loss of identity, you know, mm, yeah. who maybe had been lawyers or, you know, teachers or professors or really like professionals in a way where their identity for so long was around their work or the way that they showed up in the world and, and feeling like once they became moms, it was like, that's their whole identity is just being a mom. Mm-hmm. The sense of grief sometimes that everything else about them yes. doesn't seem to matter anymore. And being kind of disappointing. Another thing, of course, is as we touched on before was having lack of time for friends, like wishing to connect with friends, but just feeling like it's around the clock mom, mom life and just not having mm-hmm. the energy or time for it. And then sometimes, and we can talk about this more a little bit later if you want, but sometimes what happens is once that major life transition happens, some people feel like they can't relate to friends who are child free, who also then not mm. relate to them. And so they're right, like, what do we do now? <laughs> that doesn't always yeah. happen, but that is a thing that can can occur as well. They can add an unusual kind of friction to relationships that otherwise never had that element before.
0: Yeah, yeah. That all completely makes sense. And I think all of what you said is relatable in in various ways. I would love to talk a little bit about the identity piece because I think that one of the things that can be really helpful in those mommy groups is My friends all had children a little bit before me. So by the time my son was born, they had kids who were like three to five and they were like, oh, a snuggly newborn. And I was like, no, like this is a disaster. It's not cute and snuggly. It's this thing screams all the time. And they were like, oh, but it goes so fast. And we were just, they were amazing friends and loving and supportive but we were just not in the same season of life and so there was a disconnect in terms of how we saw mothering and when i finally a few months into my son's life got into this newborn parent class i was like oh these are my people like they know what it's like right now to they are not sleeping either like they're up every night and they think that nursing sucks and they we have this like deep connection over this really intimate moment that we're in right now and that having that connection was really significant in that season mm-hmm. but and, so, and that was a huge piece of my, new part of my identity, like this evolving identity for me as a mom. But I also think in which you just brought up is that sometimes our identity in our relationships evolves in different ways where a friendship that was maybe really essential and vital and lovely and blooming five years ago, for whatever reason, just isn't feeling the same. But there's an assumption that like if we've had a significant relationship with someone at some point that we should always work to maintain that, I think. And I'm actually thinking to dating right now where like, if you're dating someone and it's not working out, you just say like, it's not working out. And like, yeah. we go our separate ways. If you don't do that with friendships, I think that we oftentimes try to make things work for too long, even though maybe like, we're just not connecting right now, or we are we're not super transparent around like, Hey, this isn't working or that, or I've changed, or can we continue to grow together? Like we're not having those kinds of conversations. So can you talk a little bit about how we evolve and how, as we age, how our identities
1: evolve and then our relationships naturally evolve as a result? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're right that we don't often have the conversation about the relationship that we have in romantic relationships, where you talk about the relationship, it's not as common for people to say, like, let's talk about the friendship, the thing that we create and here, hold here in the space in between us that we both kind of pop up together. And I think it's useful to do that. You know, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but for highly reflective, introspective <laughs> people, they, they might really enjoy that. Yeah. And with relation to the identity piece, you know, and whether our I Evolving identities affect whether the relationships evolve. I think sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And I'll give some examples. So one example is if one person is evolving because she's becoming a mom, she's got kids, got babies, and the friend and then her friend is not going to do that. going to stay child free. If that mom evolves like takes that evolving identity of becoming a mom and invites the friend in to say, like, I would love for you to be an auntie to my kids. I want you to have relationships with my kids, too. You're so meaningful in my life that, of course, I want to share you with these other little people in my life. What do you think about that? You know, and if that friend's like, yeah, I would love to be an auntie. like, And then she comes along and makes, you know, these bonds that are really meaningful with those kids. And that's like a super special extra dimension to mm. their, all of their lives and to their friendship that is in addition to what they share as two individuals relating to each other. And on the flip side, suppose that same situation, someone becoming a mom, but the friend is like, you know, I'm child-free and I don't actually enjoy spending time (laughs) with kids. And that's why I'm child-free. And that's not a fit for me, you know, right. And they may not be able to then relate around that choice. And sometimes in that case, the relationship either dissolves or takes on a different dimension. That's maybe less intense than before, less often Mm -hmm. as before, less frequent, or they find ways to stay in touch around things that don't necessarily are like rooted in the motherhood experience or the family experience. And it's like, what were the things that you were each passionate about before that? Maybe you were both passionate about singing. Maybe you were both passionate about the kind of work that you did. Maybe you were both passionate about gardening with plants, like whatever the thing that you were both passionate about and you appreciated in each other is still there in some dimension. Right. So maybe there's a way to then focus on that and to have that be the thing that you continue to relate around. And it's also not the end of the world. If like some friendships fade away, (laughs) at least 50% of our friendships will fade away. And most of them do within the first three years. And this is Mm. research from Robin Dunbar. And so Mm. it's not the end of the world if your friendship's evolve or dissolve. And it's useful to continue cultivating new friendships for that reason. Absolutely.
0: I love the example that you gave around someone who has a new, who someone who's has a child and invites in a friend who doesn't have a child and says like, I would love you to be an auntie. I'd love for you to be involved in whatever ways and being really explicit about that, I think just shows so much care for the relationship. Mm-hmm. and I'm also thinking that even outside of the context of kids, like in a career change where maybe I know that in the past, I've had careers where I've gotten to be really good friends with co-workers. And then I've made like a super right turn to be like, I'm not doing anything related to this anymore. I'm doing this completely other thing. Mm-hmm. And our our bond is all, was all around our work together. How do you invite someone in? And it's been interesting to see over time, the people who have wanted to be a part of my work as it's emerged and, and evolved. It's been so fun to have some people come along. And then other people are like, I don't get it. And some of them are like, I don't get it. And I don't want to have anything to do with it, which is fine. And then other people are like, I don't get it. I'll always support you. But then there are some people who are like, I don't really get it. But like I want to like tell me, tell me all the things. And I think the more we can do that for each other... Um, where it feels right and appropriate and natural and organic, then you create space for the relationship to continue to evolve. But sometimes it is that really explicit invitation of like, I'm something's shifting here, and I want to be conscientious of making sure I'm inviting you to come with me as I'm going through that shift.
1: Yeah. And I, uh, what I hear in that example too was the varying ways that your former coworkers could have related to this new thing in your life, but also had a sense of, acknowledgement. If there isn't a, a disconnect, right. there isn't a connection for them. And then you have to then acknowledge, Hey, there's a disconnect around this for them. I'm not going to keep inviting them into this thing that they're like not interested in. Right. Yeah, definitely. So like one <laughs> example that comes to mind for my own life recently. So one of my friends, she's got a couple kids that are really little. And uh, one of them was having a birthday party the other day. It was like a toddler birthday party. And she's a dear friend to me. I love her. I mostly went to the party to see her. It's- I was like, of course, I love her little kid. I'm their little auntie. Right. But she was like, she knows I don't have kids. I don't hang out in mommy land. And she's like, you don't have to stay here any longer than you want to. Like, I stayed for like 45 minutes. And she's like, really? If you're bored out of your mind, you can. <laughs> like, yeah, I think I'm going to go. After yeah. like a while, because like, I just, it's not a world that I operate in. And there's only a limit that I think. A lot of child-free people like me, can, like hang out. But a the, mutual, the mutual, the like, mutual acknowledgement, respect, and she was like, "Yes, I'm not offended." Please go enjoy the rest of your Saturday. And I was like, "I love you. I'll see you next week." And so that's it, you know. And I think when we can respect each other and not be like so offended that we're not clones of each other, you know, then
2: we're more mm-hmm. likely to have
1: a flexible friendship and and more fun together. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you give examples? Or have there been examples where this has gone the other direction for you, where like you just gave this really great example of where the relationship has evolved in this really great way where you can have this open dialogue? Do you have experiences where
1: that didn't happen? Yeah, I have an experience like that. So one, this was quite a while ago, but I had a friend who was, she had become pregnant and was then, you know, a new mom. And from the minute she became pregnant, it was like a switch was flipped And all her curiosity about me dissolved, all her interest Mm. in hearing anything about my life or anything about my thoughts or feelings evaporated. Like when we hung out, all she did was talk about her pregnancy (laughs) and like all she ever wanted to talk about was stuff related to babies. And I was like being really patient and going along with it and everything. But it started to hurt that she'd never said, like, so what's new in your life? Like what's been on your mind? Like what's important for you? It felt like I was invisible and my life was less meaningful because I wasn't on that journey. It was really painful. And I was also doing all the work of reaching out to hang out, all the work of trying to spend time together. And so it was really imbalanced, and it actually felt pretty painful. And she was never able to meet me. And that friendship faded away. And reciprocity is like a lack of reciprocity is what I was experiencing there. And it's interesting because whether you're moms or not moms, reciprocity is such an important a component of healthy adult friendships. In fact, with most of the adults I work with, lack of reciprocity is one of the biggest complaints and frustrations that people deal with in adult friendships, that feeling of imbalance, that feeling of like, I care so much for this person. They don't seem to care about me at all. You know. And so if you want to keep those friendships strong, even if your lives look very, very different, please take it back to kindergarten and remember to share, like share the talk time share curiosity in both directions. Like it is a gift give each other time and attention. So like invite both of you to participate in that. And when you, when you talk about your different lives, also make sure to then connect around the things you still have in common, not just the things you're different about, but also like what made you want to be friends? What are the things you used to laugh about? What are the things that shared memories that you have? Like, what are the things that you can still connect on in this moment too?
0: Absolutely. I was just thinking of a situation. So I totally agree on the role of reciprocity, the significance of reciprocity. And I was thinking through a friendship where, similar to your situation, where you have friends kind of taking two different paths, not even necessarily two different paths, but just in different places. And one person feeling kind of invisible, one person feeling like, gosh, they just talk about themselves all the time. They never ask me anything. And Uh, or in a situation I'm thinking of from my own experience in the last couple of years, someone where you feel like they don't ever prioritize. Like if we happen to see each other, it's fine, but like they're not prioritizing the friendship or they're even sometimes saying things where I'm like, I feel really deprioritized by that statement and things like that, where there's an awareness, I think, when you feel invisible or where you feel not prioritized. And in my case, as this happened over the course of a year and a half or whatever, I was like, Oh my gosh, have I ever done that to anyone else? And like, where in my life have I just been maybe kind of in a situation or season where life has just been moving at a certain pace and I made other people feel invisible. Have I like Mm -hmm. not replied to things or not asked them questions? And so it's been interesting. It was, it's been frustrating kind of working through that situation with this person. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also am like, Gosh, this is kind of a valuable experience. Like, I don't ever want to do that to someone else. And there's probably been times when I have. And so, sometimes being on the other end of that, while it can be hard and, like you said, it can be painful, it also, I think, ultimately makes us better friends to others because we're like, oh, I would never want to do that to someone else.
1: Yes, exactly. The same. I had the same feeling, Sarah, of just like, wow, I really don't want to do this to other people. <laughs> I'm, so I'm yeah. like really conscious after that to like ask my friends like tell me about you like <laughs> like I want to hear about what you're feeling what you're thinking what's happening in your life because I don't want to be the one who's like hogging up all the air in the room and then being like okay bye <laughs> like right. Right. That does not make the other person feel very good.
0: Yeah. What are some things that we can do when we have... So we've talked about the example of like a mom and a non-mom working to maintain a friendship or keeping a friendship strong. But even if there's other variables where our lives have... So maybe it's like a shift in career paths or where we just... Our identities are shifting in different directions or different ways. What are some things that we can do to keep a friendship strong? And you've given some examples already. But are there any other things you'd want to share around what we can do even when our to maintain strong friendships and relationships, even when our lives are looking different or perhaps moving in different directions?
1: Yeah, it's important that we respect each other's right to create unique lives, to not expect that our lives must be identical mirror images in order to remain compatible or to remain connected. If we stay curious about each other and stay supportive of each other's different journeys, that will take you so far. You know, if we remember that we're different people <laughs> and we were different people when we met actually too. It's not just the differences that have occurred since we met and we accept those and respect those. And again, continue to bond around the things that we still have in common. Then we can find that balance where like as we change and grow those new things to have like a sense of novelty, right? It keeps things from getting yeah. pale and boring and it's interesting to have those changes in life, but then also to continue to find things that you connect around, find things that you value about each other, that you appreciate that you have in common because that will kind of serve as like a foundation, like a thing to keep coming back to. And I think that that both of those things together, practicing those and staying open and flexible on those is how we keep those friendships strong over time. Definitely
0: Should we be okay with some friendships just running their course? Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like how, you're like, yes, <laughs> that's all there is to say about that. Yes. Do you think, especially for I'm thinking really specifically for all my people pleasers out there, like I think sometimes we maybe try to hold on to things maybe like when they're past their prime and like they've run, it's run its course, but like nobody wants to hurt anyone else's feelings. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll keep trying to make it work or, and it's, should we
1: just be okay with relationships evolving and dissolving as you said earlier? Yes, this is just a natural part of life. There's a really problematic assumption in our society that something is only successful if it never ends. Mm. We do this with friendships. We do this with relationships. But there are ways to successfully end a relationship. There are ways to successfully end a friendship. Just like there's ways to successfully end a job. If you're like, hey, I'm not going to work at this company anymore. Great. Like, let's say goodbye in a nice way. This is not necessary for something to last forever, for it to have been positive in your life and been valuable in your life. Most of the time and we know this from research friendships end in one of two ways. They either fade out or they go up in flames. But most of the time mm. they just fizzle out and fade away. And 50% of those that fade away often happen within the first 3 years of somebody of knowing somebody. And research from Robin Dunbar who is where this comes from and also he's like one of the world's like preeminent scholars around human connection. He also has found that we lose approximately one to two friendships per year. And so, and again, most of those fizzle out. Sometimes there's a more fiery, but most of the time they just fade away. And so for the people pleasers out there, please do not beat yourself up over this. Please do not feel like, oh, I should have just tried harder to keep that friend and that friend and that friend and that friend. And like, we could have kept all of them forever. And no, you can't. Like, it is not logistically possible. To maintain that level of intensity and closeness, like best friend level with every single friend that you make, it's just not doable. And so accept that sometimes things are going to drift apart and that doesn't mean that there's animosity between you. You can certainly have a happy reunion one day if you see each other. It's just a natural part of life. And so that's, again, why it's important to continue grooming new friendships and planting new seeds, because just like a garden, it doesn't just bloom once and that's it for the next 75 years, like right season things die and they fade away and you need to prune things out that don't fit right. That's life. That's the garden in the plant world. And that's the garden of friendship. Right. Right. So
0: I want to take, like, look at the flip side of that and ask what are steps we can take instead of letting a relationship dissolve or go up in flames? What are steps that we can take if we wanted to, first of all, like start a friendship? And then secondly, if what are specific steps we can take to grow and preserve?
1: Sure. Sure. So if you're wanting to invest in a new friendship, like let's say it's a little baby seed of a friendship. It's just started, but it's got that good energy and it feels like there's some mutual interest there, mutual chemistry and, and potentially mutual commitment. Do what you can to invest in time together very early on in the friendship. And this is also proven out by research that it takes to go from zero, like total stranger to a best friend takes approximately 90 to 200 hours of time together. And when we were in college, that's very easy because you live together and you eat your meal, Oh my gosh, that's like cousin. a couple of weeks. Yeah, it takes you a couple of weeks, right? And you've spent 90 hours together. That's easy. But in grown up adult life, especially busy, I'm sure parent life, that's going to be tougher. And so do what you can to invest in that time because the research also shows that that 90 to 200 hours, it can't be dragged out over the course of your whole life for the next 20 years. It needs to happen in a compressed state early mm-hmm. on that really solidifies the friendship and the foundation of trust and vulnerability and understanding and inside jokes and like all the things that happen that give you a common language and a real trust and mutuality it needs to happen kind of soon. And so see, do what you can to get that within the first couple months of knowing each other, let's say like four to eight weeks, really, really invest in that. So like find the time <laughs> and then yeah. when yeah. you spend that time together, Please do not only skate on the surface of like talking about the weather or talking about politics or talking about like, I don't know, just chit chat, like small talk. There's some amount of that that's necessary to warm up to a conversation. But then beyond that, show the other person who you really are, like be vulnerable with each other, ask for their advice, like share something meaningful that's happening for you. And don't feel like you have to only project a perfect image because when we're vulnerable with each other and show our flaws and show our weaknesses and say like, what do you think about this? I'm I'm struggling with this decision. What would you do? You know, it shows that you respect the other person's mind and their point of view. And it also allows us to help and support each other. And we feel valued and we feel needed and meaningful when we feel like we're helping another person and for help too, because then they get to feel that way when they help us. And these are the types of things that tend to knit people together more deeply than just, you know, oh, we had... A uh, brunch margarita, like in February, and now it's September, and like I still don't know anything about this person, you know? Right. That makes so much sense, and I think it also helps to
0: have awareness around the fact that, like, okay, I'm going to really be intentional in investment early on, and be vulnerable, build trust, have the. I mean, I love that you brought up like common language and inside jokes because I think that those are some of the things that really root a relationship. Mm-hmm. So that's super helpful. So, what about? And nothing.
1: In, one thing I want to uh, add to that, Sarah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being a little bit open about your intentions too. So earlier you talked about, you know, saying, you know, meeting this friend and meeting this woman and being like, I really want her to be my friend. There's nothing wrong right. with saying, you know, Sarah, I've had such a good time hanging out with you. I would love to see you again. I love your point of view and and you're so funny and so smart. I'm trying to be more intentional with cultivating friendships this year. Would it be okay if I reached out to you to hang out again sometime in the next few weeks? You know, if what I'm doing there is asking for your consent and I'm telling you where I'm coming from. Right. Right. And if you say, you know, I'm really busy, but thank you so much. That's really kind of you to say, you're letting me know, hey, you're not available. Cool. That's very kind of you. you. The other thing it does too, is it takes away the guesswork of knowing like, ooh, can I reach out to her? Is she going to think that's weird? Am I going to be bothering mm-hmm. her? You walk away from that conversation knowing I am open <laughs> to see you. I am, mm-hmm. I am open to being contacted. So those little worries that come up of like, I don't want to bother her. Is this awkward? Maybe, maybe this will be, you know, strange, you know, I'm open. So you don't have to have those worries. Right.
0: So once we have the relationship, what are some steps to growing and preserving?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So as we talked about, you know, having time to share vulnerably (laughs) about your lives with each other, having the support for each other. And there's also research that shows that creating shared memories is one of the best things that you can do to cement a friendship early on. One of the women I interviewed for the book described how as soon as she realizes she has a new friend she really wants to keep, she'll invite them to do like a weekend getaway with her where they like share an Airbnb and like cook their meals together. And like, maybe they bring their other friends or partners. Like she tries to create a very clear and fun memory together. And this this is a beautiful thing to do because it gives you not only that sense of like hey, we did this thing together. Remember like when we went to the lake and like whatever it is. But it also research proves that novelty actually bonds people together more quickly than doing run of the mill things. So you can go get a coffee four times or you can actually do one weekend immersion together. And the novelty and unusualness of doing something unusual together actually is much more likely to bond you quickly. So that's something else you can do if you want to grow your friendships is like add novelty in every so often. Don't fall into a rut. With that relationship, just like you don't like your other relationships to fall into a red either. Right. Oh, that makes so much sense.
0: I feel like I'm personally like taking notes here, like, oh, invite this person to do that. And so I know, I know our listeners are doing the same. So good. All right. So we've covered so much. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap? Because I know there's I know we're missing some things, and I know the book is a such a huge wealth of information on building friendships. So, anything specific you want to add, or do you want to just point people right to the book and tell them to get started there?
1: You know, there was a point I wanted to make around supporting each other in friendship. Mm. I have a whole section in the book where I talk about this and the importance of the flexibility and the willingness to be there for each other is really significant because a lot of people, when I've interviewed them about friendship, they say, like, yeah, I, I know a lot of people, or I'm friendly with a lot of people. But in a time of need, they don't really know who to call on. And I think that this applies to this conversation around, you know, I'm sure in the motherhood, there's been perhaps many times where you like could use the support of a friend. Um, oh, yeah. And similarly, like as someone who hasn't had a baby, but has, say, like had a surgery <laughs> where you need to recuperate in bed and you can't do all the things you could. Yeah, like high need, <laughs> you have a need when friends show up for you in that same way with like meal trains and offering to help out with like chores or whatever it is. Like those things go so far when we show up and simply say like, I'm here to help. And it can be like a small thing, like running an errand for somebody or giving them a ride somewhere um, or offering to go with them to a, an, an appointment. That's really uh, serious or something like that. Like it, these small gestures, Even if it's like a minor inconvenience to make it happen in the meantime, it does so, so much to foster closeness and real sense of trust and caring in the relationship. So I just want to put a pin on that and say, that's like, do a little like self-reflection around like, who would you call in that time of need? And if you, if the list is pretty short, ask yourself, like, who do you wish you could call in that time of need? Like, who's a friend you have who like has the potential to be that person for you? And invite them to have that conversation with them, and say like, "I'm I've been thinking about this. It's really important to me. I want you to know like I would be there for you if you needed me
0: in a time." I was would just gonna to say like you? starting with that, yeah. Like if someone was like, I, "I really want you to know that you. I could be there for you," yeah. Most people are gonna reciprocate that, and yeah. So, uh, like, I just can imagine that that's an a pretty quick and easy segue for someone to be like, oh my gosh, I would absolutely be that person for you, which feels different than being like going in with the ask of like, can you be my person? Right. <laughs> like lead with all the, your person. Right. right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I love that. Oh my goodness, Kat. Okay. Tell us something you're shameless about. <laughs> something I am shameless about is the fact that I am an introvert and I need introvert time. Love it. The only way that I'm going to have energy and focus for other people is if I've had some time for myself to be still, to be grounded, to be free of other people's thoughts and opinions, like to actually just listen to my heart and Mm -hmm. I make space for that. And I'm pretty shameless about it. And my close friends know like that's a part of who I am. They honor it. They support it. And they never take it personally. And that's something that I'm shameless about. I love it. Okay. So tell people where they can find you, where they can get the book. The book
0: is, we should get together. I don't know if we've said the title yet. So we should get together the secret (laughs) to cultivating better
1: friendships. Where can people get the book and connect with you and get all your goodies? Yeah. So you can get the book any place you buy books. You can certainly order it online. It's at Amazon. It's also the eBooks are also at my website. It's on Kindle, wherever you want to get books. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. I often recommend people go to Bookshop because they also donate money to local bookstores where you can also. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So when you go to my website, we should get together.com. You can also find and connect with me via signing up for my newsletter, which is there. It comes out every two weeks around Tuesday.
0: Love it! Oh my goodness, Kat! Thank you, thank you for answering my DM, for saying yes, for being here for this conversation. <laughs> I feel like there was so much in here that is like little things that we can take away to start to cultivate friendships in a new way, but also things that can have really big significance. I didn't. I felt like you do you do a really good job of breaking things down into actionable items that feel doable and manageable, and not like a, just enough vulnerability to make them successful, but not absolutely terrifying. <laughs> so, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. This was really fantastic.
1: You're welcome, Sarah. Thanks for having me on the show and for sending that DM at the beginning.